Hey, I'm Phil. And I'm Chris. We are two dads who share one simple goal, to be better fathers to our kids. And that involves more time together with our families. More books, more movies, more board games. And most importantly, more meals together. And if we're going to spend more meals together, we need to be better cooks. So this is us trying to figure that out. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Although I saw that you posted on Instagram our spot in the trending food category, number 55. It felt good to, I don't know, kind of celebrate some of the successes we've had. Although... 55. Well, it's 55 in food. So it's it's not like, I mean, there's like 30 million podcasts out there or something like that. But to be 55 in food is kind of like saying we made the football team. We're the third string punter and it's JV, but we made it. We're here, Phil. We are on the field. I saw somewhere that about 50% of all podcasts have one episode. Oh, no way. Yeah. And then 65 have two. Overall, the average number of episodes for any podcast is 14. So Hmm. with this episode, we are over halfway to average. Oh man, that makes me feel so good. (laughs) That's great. Wow. I didn't know that. I love your stats. You're like the statistician for the show. It's my favorite. It does feel good to feel like we're doing something though. It does. It makes it all that more meaningful when we do know that there are people out there that kind of connect with the same journey that we're on. Like David in Broomfield, Colorado. David is actually a friend of mine. He might be one of the most handsome people I've ever known. Well, I mean, aside from you, Chris, obviously. But yeah, David listened to our episode on scrambled eggs and he wanted to share some of his own methods on how he makes them. And it sounds like you and he are relatively similar in some of your methods. He uses the Gordon Ramsay method mm-hmm. and that's pretty similar to your to your boy, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like what I've kind of landed on is a little bit of a hybrid between a few. There's definitely some, some Thomas Keller influences and some Gordon Ramsay for sure. Well, I promised you that I would try doing that as well. After we recorded our last episode, I made it the very next morning. And guess what? My kids loved it. But most importantly, <laughs> I loved it. No, most importantly, my wife loved it. (laughs) She was like, wow, these are really good. Where have you been on my life? But okay, seriously, David, thank you so much for reaching out and sharing some of your techniques. And if any other listeners are interested in sharing your techniques, we are interested in hearing them. Whatever it is, look us up on Instagram at Dad's Kitchen Co. And you know what? Today we went to the Riverbanks Zoo, which is in Columbia. And we did this like boo at the zoo thing. I imagine every zoo in America probably has a boo at the zoo and they're all probably called boo at the zoo, but I'm really proud of my zoo. Like they, they did a really good job. I got to be honest with you. I was a little bit worried leading up to Halloween. Like, how are we going to do the trick or treating thing? I don't know if I, if I want, okay, you know, a bunch of, with a bag full of COVID. Yeah. Like a bunch of kids touching the same bowl of candy and then just dropping it in their own basket. I just, I don't know, man. I just like, I'm not trying to be paranoid, but it just kind of felt a little weird. Like, what do we do about that? And anyways, I'm just really proud of the Riverbank Zoo. I thought they did a great job of maintaining a certain level of social distancing. They, it's kind of funny. They passed out candy with tongs. Like you would walk around to the different stations, the different exhibits at the zoo. And, you know, like in front of the lion den, somebody would just grab some candy out of their 
basket with tongs and put it in the kids' baskets. They, they just did a really good job. It was very well organized. It was very well thought through. And most importantly, there were no bobbing for apples. And that is the silver lining with COVID. Bobbing for apples. It's disgusting. I'm not a fan of the concept on a lot of levels. I just feel like fresh fruit in general shouldn't be administered by a stranger. I don't know if you recall this, but when I was growing up, like all the moms were cautioning everyone to don't take any, any Ra- candy apples razor blades. from people because they'll be razor blades. Oh, yeah. yeah, razor blades in the candy apples. I don't think there's ever been a razor blade in a candy apple, but it's not about the razor blade. It's just just like fresh fruit from a stranger. I just don't know if I'd do that in general. I was a little bit more weirded out by like sticking your face in water that other people have slobbered in. Well, yeah, exactly. It's kind of gross. So anyways, well done, Riverbank Zoo, Columbia, South Carolina. You guys are my fave. So Phil, one thing that you can do with those apples is take them all home with a slobber of all of the neighborhood kids and uh, turn them into a salad. Ooh, that (laughs) sounds lovely. A direct transition there, huh? We're all about the Segway. We should get the company that makes those Segways to sponsor us. We can like ring the bell every time we have a Segway. <laughs> have you ever ridden one? I have not actually. They're kind of fun. My neighbor behind me has one. Well, his kid has one, which I guess is still my neighbor. Uh, without the handlebars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. What's that called? No, it's like it's more like a hoverboard. Okay. Where you just like lean forward and you go. Yeah, yeah. Lean back and go. Yeah. You can steer by lifting up your toes. They're way harder, I imagine. So. Anyways, but yeah, apples on salads sounds like a great idea. Yes, Phil, I do. I like apples on salads, but, you know, in the vein of our just fantastic segues, I think I like salad dressing on salads better than apples. How do you feel about Mm. salad dressing? I mean, most salad dressings are really just aioli, right? I guess it depends on what type of salad dressing you like. Okay. Personally, I can totally get down with oil and vinegar. I straight up love it. Actually, do you remember one time you and Molly hosted Ashley and me for dinner? And in lieu of a bottle of wine, I brought over a bottle of olive oil. But yes, olive oil is totally a dressing for me um, with some vinegar. I love it. If I'm not going to do that, I would I would probably go with a balsamic vinegar, which obviously is kind of in the same vein. Yeah. So, ranch is delicious, but I almost feel like ranch is better served as a dipping sauce for like pizza than it is on a salad. Yeah, I've never been super into creamy dressings for reasons that we've hit on a little bit, but in your guys' refrigerator, how many bottles of salad mm-hmm. dressing do you have? Okay, they're all the Newman's. We have a walnut raspberry vinaigrette. We have a balsamic vinaigrette. I think there's a blue cheese. Maybe one more. We'll say four or five. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, like they take up an entire shelf on the door of the refrigerator. Yeah, and that's probably pretty normal for most people, mm-hmm. don't you think? Sure. What about you guys? We actually don't have any. I knew you were going to say that because you guys make your own. Yeah, which I thought was totally nuts. I mean, I, I grew up with bottled salad dressing, as I'm sure most people do. And honestly, I didn't even know that it was like possible to make your own salad dressing until six, seven years ago. The things that I've learned, Phil. But apparently it is. And it's uh, pretty great, actually. I think it's really grown on me. I think there's, there's part of me that kind of goes back and forth a little bit between ease. Like sometimes you just want something easy and I don't know, kind of quality and 
a variety. There's something very satisfying about making your own salad dressing. And honestly, it wasn't something that I personally had done till kind of recently. Like, what do you, what do you do? I mean, walk me through it. What do you make? Do you make a homemade branch? You make a homemade Thousand Island? What do you do? You know, we, we've had homemade ranch and it's actually really good as far as, you know, the creamier dressings go. I think in, in general, you know, I guess you can kind of break salad dressings up into vinaigrettes and your creamy dressings. I think for the most part, they kind of nicely fall into one of those two. Even things like a, like a French dressing is still a vinaigrette at its base where it's, you know, like an oil and vinegar with roasted tomatoes and onions and Dijon mustard. I feel like a go-to. You know, if, if you're kind of breaking them into those two categories, I definitely skew more towards the, the vinaigrettes. And I think, I think one thing that I like about making your own salad dressing is that it can like be, it can be tailored to whatever you're making. And you can change it up every time. You know, like a whole entire bottle. I mean, like, how, how long does a bottle last you? Three years. Yeah, it's just past about. the expiration date. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're all, like, crusty and gross. Oh, they are. You open up the lid. Yeah. And, and you get flakes. In. Yeah. That's disgusting. And you, you, can, you can make smaller batches. Honestly, I think, like, the last time that I made salad dressing... It was literally just for the salad that we were eating. But you can, you know, make, make a like a small batch in something like a mason jar or a jam jar. We use jam jars a lot. My wife has a moderate obsession with jam jars. And that's a great way to store it. But I think at, at, at their core, most vinaigrettes are just, you know, super simple. They are an oil, which is like a fat, and some type of acid, or in this case, a, a vinegar. And you can change those up. Like what what those oils are and what those vinegars are and then you can add a lot to it so you can add sweetness you can add something salty you can really try out some different things i think starting with that that oil and vinegar base and then usually adding some type of salt and then something that's a little sweet helps to bring a pretty balanced flavor to a basic vinaigrette but then you can kind of jump off of that pretty easily you know i think a lot of a lot of french style dressings are going to have some type of mustard in it so like a mustard with honey is going to be fantastic and it's not going to be anything like near your traditional honey mustard or what you think of as a store-bought honey mustard dressing of any sort. More of like a Dijon mustard, right? Yes. Versus like yeah. the American French's yeah, yellow mustard. French's, yeah. Honestly, like one of the things that we love thrown into salad dressing is just a jam of some sort that can instantly give you a really great berry flavored vinaigrette. So I made this berry compote one time. I think it was probably strawberry, though I can't really quite remember, and saved the compote, and then a couple days later, put the compote on a bed of lettuce. And I'm sure it was way sweeter than it probably should have been, because compote generally has, you know, some sugar melted in with it, but man, it was delicious. Like, I would choose that over addressing any day. It kind of reminds me of this place that we went to in London. It was in the Borough Market. It's a little restaurant called Elliot's. And we had the best salad that I think I've ever had in my life. And it was so simple. Actually, we had several of the best dishes. They had a mussel dish there that was so good. Yeah, you're a mussel guy. Yeah, I think it was like a, I don't remember if it was beer or white wine, but they were so good. And the salad was so good, but it was so simple. It was just like a bed of really fresh greens with 
just a, a fantastic, really simple, like clean, well-balanced dressing. And I think it had some some like Malden salt or something sprinkled across the top. But it was one of the best salads that I can ever remember having. And I was just struck by like the simplicity of it. You don't have to like doctor something up with all these different add-ons. And I think one of the things that allows that really simple salad to work is a good dressing. So I don't know how you feel about that, Phil. Maybe my feelings are too strong. Did I ever tell you about my London story? I don't know. Okay, so the London story. Okay, I've only been to London one time. So I was there with some friends, had just come back from Africa. And I don't really remember the exact scenario, but somehow I got separated in customs. See, we had this really long layover, like 12 hours, coming back to the U.S. from Africa and... We thought, man, we're in London for like 12 hours. Let's, let's go explore. It was right after a red eye. I was really tired and the sun had just risen. We get off the plane. We're in Heathrow Airport and somehow we get separated at the customs border. And I'm like, okay, I'll just meet you guys like at Big Ben or Buckingham Palace or Westminster Abbey or something. Like, I'll just meet you at the place where people go when they go to London for 12 hours. Thinking like, yeah, it's no big deal. And this was kind of before like everybody had cell phones. This is like early 2000s. We had cell phones, but we didn't necessarily have international cell phones. And yeah. so I, I hop on the train. I'm by myself and I end up in a train station that is not correct. I don't know where I am. So I'm like, well, what's the worst that could happen? I'll hop on a double decker bus and I'll have them take me to Buckingham Palace or wherever. Surely I'm going to find my friends, right? Like London can't be that big. And it's like a Saturday, like in the middle of the summer. Super small town. It's It's really just a hamlet. Yeah. It's basically a village. (laughs) Yeah. And so there, I don't know why I didn't have the brilliant idea to do what literally every tourist does and hop on the tubes, but I didn't do that. I I hopped on a double decker bus and because I'm I'm sleep deprived, I don't know what I'm doing. The bus routes don't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Guess they're in another language, English maybe. And I end up in not a very good neighborhood. Fast forward a couple of hours, I actually end up falling asleep on the double decker bus and I and I wake up have no idea where I am. I basically have to hitchhike back to Heathrow Airport, which is like 100 miles away. Get back to the airport, see my friends, and they're like, where were you, man? Like, you missed out. We we sat next to some guy that was in the Philharmonic Orchestra, and I'm like, really? I sat next to a guy on a bus who killed a guy in the Philharmonic Orchestra, and I, I never made it to, to see Big Ben because I ran out of time. 12 hours apparently wasn't enough time. I fell asleep on the bus. It was terrible, man. So I got to go back to London. I feel it sounds like uh, a trip to London is definitely in order once they decide that Americans are uh, you know, safe enough to allow them to their country. Sure. Hey, when we go, we can we can find that little bistro you found and have a have a nice salad. Oh, Elliot's was fantastic. I would go back there in a heartbeat. Yeah, so cool. I forgot what they had. I asked him like what they had on tap that day and he said that they were out and so he was going to go around the market to see if he could find something that would that'd be good and he came back like <laughs> super apologetic and he was like the the brewery down like at the end of the market everything's just it's not cold over there so it just it just wouldn't be it just wouldn't be delicious enough and like he was oh just my so gosh. apologetic that it, it's like it wasn't going to be delicious enough i love so, europe oh my gosh he was only going to serve it if it was good enough which i don't know i think that says something they probably wouldn't do that at all of garden probably not though they'd be like get out of here 
with your socialism and your imported beer yes. and your soccer. This is America. Oh, man. We went off the rails. Should we talk about salad dressing some more? <laughs> but uh, no, Elliot's is fantastic. And I think it saw like how good a salad could be and that it really didn't have to be like super crazy. You don't have to doctor it up like greens in and of themselves. They can be tasty. They can be really good. I think that's the point that I was maybe hoping to make with this is like, should the dressing be the focal point of the salad or should it complement the salad? I think it, I think it could be either, honestly. Like, okay, say you're doing something very seasonal and you have a simple green salad, maybe some spinach and arugula, something like that. Mm -hmm. And you have just like a really great fall dish covering some of those bases you've got an oil you've got a vinegar some salt and then something sweet that you throw in you could you could use something like a, a balsamic and an olive oil and then throw some uh, maple syrup in that could be something that maybe stands out a little bit in complement to you know whatever your kind of seasonal fall dish is so i think i think, I think you can go either way honestly well you mentioned having beets in your salad right did you mention that yeah i very much enjoy beets but yes yeah i i really enjoy beets i like a good fresh beet salad and just so we're clear i don't think either of us are talking about the beets that i thought were beets growing up which is like more of a jello comes in a can you only only have oh, yeah. it at thanksgiving no that's that's not beets no, 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 no. Like you pick it up in Beats the produce like, section. Exactly. It's like this delicious, almost like a turnip. It's a, it's a root, right? Yeah. It grows underground, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. sweet and earthy and has a fantastic color. Oh, it does. And it just goes so good on a salad. We need more beets on a salad. That be, now that I think about it, one of my favorite things on a salad are beets. Okay. So here's my, here's my takeaway from all of this. If you're going to have a beet on a salad, it is kind of somewhat a subtle flavor. I mean, in many ways, it just adds a really good texture. It's almost just like a large radish. But if you want to pick up on that on that subtle beet flavor, then if you douse your salad with the store-bought dressing, I don't know if you're really going to pick up on that because those store-bought dressings just... They're so intense that they are the focal point of the salad. And it's really not that hard to make, which is kind of one of the other things that I really appreciated about this, this concept of making your own salad dressing is everybody knows what a salad dressing should taste like, especially a, a well-balanced salad dressing. And so, I don't know, when I was thinking about it, it felt like one of those really simple things that can introduce kind of this basic cooking idea into your daily habits. You know what a salad dressing should taste like? And if you're making your own salad dressing, you should be tasting it as you go. So you, yeah. you add some oil, you add some vinegar, add a little bit of salt, maybe some honey or some jam. And you put all that in a bowl and start to whisk it up until it emulsifies. Or you can put it in a jar and shake it like a, like a mason jar or a jelly jar. And then try it. See how it tastes. I think that's something about cooking that I am not still the best at and I should get better at is trying things as you go. But you know, with the dressing, if you don't have that like tang and it just feels a little oily, you know that something's not balanced and you can add some more, add some more vinegar to it to start to balance it out. 
the idea is to try it as you go. And if it's too sweet, you know that there are ways to start to cut that sweetness down with your oil and your vinegar. And you can just kind of play with those ratios. It's just something that's really simple and you can really taste it right away based on those, those memories that you have of what a salad dressing should taste like. Yeah. I feel like this is a really good way to kind of do some exploration to kind of figure out your place in the kitchen and see what kind of chef that you are. I don't know if that sounds cheesy, but be adventurous. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're making a meal, you're making it to be eaten. So you're making it to taste good. You're making it to be nutritious and all as well. But but you're also like trying to make it taste good. And so how are you going to know if it tastes good if you don't taste it till it's plated and on the table? I think for me, it's all too easy to get caught up in a recipe and think that the recipe has it all. Like it's the be all end all of a dish or it's like the be all end all in the kitchen. And I think with salad dressing, it's just a really simple way to start to get beyond that and realize that you do know what something tastes like when it's really good. You you know what delicious is, you know what balanced is. And when you're making something, like that's the time that you can alter something and like adjust the course of a dish. And so try it, taste it, and trust yourself. So this specific episode is not really about salad dressings at all, but it's about foundations. And I love that. It's about trusting yourself. It's good. You got to love yourself, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we've all been eating food our whole entire lives. So we have some type of library to pull from. I hope so. And when in doubt, just put some bacon on your salad. It'll all work out. Call it a cob salad. There you go. Throw some corn on there. Yeah. Breakfast salad for dinner. Can you have a cob salad without the egg? Like if you ordered a cob salad, hold the egg. Is it a cob salad? I have a cob salad instead of egg. Could I please have some wheat coche? I'm going to make you some wheat coche next time you're... I don't know if I'm even saying it right, but I'm going to make you some. I don't even know where you can find that. You might have to grow it on your own, Phil. You might have to. You should plant corn just so you can grow some. I'm going to do that in my neighbor's yard. We share this fence and I'm going to grow it and it's going to overtake his yard. Oh, man. Oh.